Okay. Log Talk Radio. Oh, that was close. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. <clears throat> As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Welcome you to this episode of the show, <clears throat> where, of course, I have problems with my throat. <laughs> there we go. Cleared it. Anyway, uh, welcome oh, back to this episode of the problems. show. <laughs> I know. I, I tried to drink some water before I went on and didn't work in time. Uh, but anyway, we're okay. Uh, so welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Tonight, the Dean is not with us, so I had to do an impromptu pick. So later on in the show, we're going to be talking about Freeway from 1996, directed by Matthew Bright, starring Kiefer Sutherland, Reese Witherspoon, big old heaping of Little Red Riding Hood, circa the 90s. So we're going to be talking about that later on in the show. Uh, the ghoul is expected to join us at some point during the show, so right now it's just me and my monkey, the psychotic simian, the Prince of Morris Day. Yeah, get funky with the monkey. Yes, King, we're getting more funky than that one time we picked up that hitchhiker that was wearing the Daisy Duke cutoffs and one of them Fruit of the Loom tank tops. You remember the one with the ruby red lips, milky white skin, baby Ooh. blue eyes, and went by the name of Russell. But enough about bad roadside decisions. <laughs> you know who it's time it is, Fright fans. It's time for the greatest horror podcast in all of the interwebs. Talking care, baby. If you can't catch us live every Wednesday night from 9 to 11, you can always catch us on the flip side. With many, one of our many, many, many episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or Blog Talk Radio. Just remember to be a dear and click on the button to like and subscribe to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram, baby. What's up, King? <laughs> What's up, monkey? Yeah, so impromptu yeah. episode talking about a, a freeway later on in the show. Uh, like I said, you know, we're going to have the ghoul on uh, in a little bit. He's dealing with some issues, so we're going to have him on. A lot to talk about tonight. Uh, but you know what? So since, you know, the ghoul isn't here yet, I wanted to talk about She-Hulk to, go off the, to kick off the show. But Attorney yeah, at law. Uh, so <laughs> attorney at hire. <laughs> yeah, we, we will talk about yeah, but, it, of course. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But, but yeah. dude, in the meantime, though, we can definitely talk about Harley Quinn. Because, again, it's still going yes. on strong. I'm sure the ghoul still has got to catch up <laughs> with the series. But, yeah, man, we're into the show. And, again, I'm just enjoying the ride of this thing. Again, no, Harley is making no apologies that she's doing her thing. And, yeah, it's just getting more and more fun. Um, I'm just waiting for some other people to show up who have not shown up yet. You know, like we're we're still missing a couple cast members from the, the last season, and I'm wondering if they're going to be showing up or not. Um, well, I mean, I know they showed a preview with Doctor Psycho, so I know he's probably okay. going to show up for an episode. Um, but who else are you waiting for to show up? Uh, our boy in the wheelchair, man. <laughs> oh, he's dead. He's in the computer now. He's been there. Yeah, he's already shown up for a couple of Oh, that, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Oh, man, I totally yeah, forgot. Yeah, dead, That's what I yeah. get for watching these. They upload yes. into a computer. 
Yeah. But yeah, this week where you know where we get But yeah, and this week where we get a little bit more, you know, uh our boy and having to deal with things in the the shark kingdom <laughs> under there, you know, where <laughs> it's okay to shit in the water, but it must be really bad if you got to use diapers under there too. <laughs> oh, oh, that was great, you know, and him selling the entire kingdom to Ocean Master. Like, you know my brother's Aquaman, yeah. right? Yes, we know. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> Just, yeah. Once again, taking those characters that you kind of forget about because they're throwaway characters in DC, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ocean Master was uh, one of the characters. Um, you know, and I, I just love – are you all caught up, Monkey? Like, have you caught up on all the episodes, or are you still behind? No, I caught this – no, uh, that was the last episode I caught. I did not catch the one that was today. Okay. No, that's tomorrow. Yeah, it comes out tomorrow. Oh, uh, so you have oh, a chance okay. to watch it. Okay, yeah, I, I forgot. You did say that you saw that episode. But, yeah, I mean, what did you think about the Court of Owls episode? Where it was like kind of like hero games. <laughs> oh, oh my god! It just just because you and I have read the actual Court of Owl storyline and stuff like that, because you're the yep. one that mm-hmm. told me to read it, you know. So I went ahead and yeah. checked it out, and so I was like, okay, you know, they're, they're going here with it. Let's see where it goes. Definitely not what I was expecting in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, and and to see Jim Gordon there. With his eyeglasses taped to the mask, and they kept falling off. Like, you know, it was so weird, you know. And I love the fact that they have Joker being like the family man. And then they had the one episode where he decides to run for mayor just because of that one woman that takes up the parking spot. I'm like, why can't we have, you know, language classes in school? Oh, man. Then you still yeah, need to he, learn he, Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know he's like you know he tries to sit there and milk it a little bit and you know work her a little bit. He's like here, you know I brought you this dish, you know that you know my wife made. And she's like, oh, it, it, it it's not ethnic, is it? He's like, well, speaking of racist, <laughs> and then when he takes the back when she gets the bathroom, he goes, oh my god, there were bones in this. <laughs> he just stops to find out. There was bones, and the whole that whole episode was great because it was a Joker-centric episode. You get that really cool '80s intro where he's talking about why being so serious, and you know, get a load of me, like taking all the lines from all the Jokers and putting it into this like '80s Full House type theme because he's now a family <laughs> man. And I was like, oh, this is so great. <laughs> and you have the callbacks to '89 Batman with the balloons, yeah. You know, on the yes. whole, you know, yes. throne he was sitting on, like, yeah. Yeah, the the entire float with the throne on it, the money guns, the exact same balloon <laughs> that was in there that was emitting the you know uh, the Joker gas in the 1989 Tim Burton movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, then it was so and great. then what, what, what and then what made it even more fun for this episode was all of his political views. You know, we're talking about the Joker, the clown <laughs> prince of crime. Uh, you know, the, the dude who's supposed to be fucking crazy, and he's sitting there coming up with a platform that is sound and makes sense and is there <laughs> yeah. to actually take care of the people. <laughs> so yeah, we're even Batgirl's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, even Batgirl's like, uh, yeah, you know, he, he makes sense. And she's like, you know, he's like, oh, so, you know, what, you're one of those Joe bros now. And she's like, no, we prefer to be called Sane Clown Posse. <laughs> <laughs> And then he gets elected mayor, and you see Har- uh, Harley and uh, Poison Ivy coming back from Mardi Gras. I'm like, 
We were only gone for like a day. <laughs> what the fuck happened? <laughs> Joker's the mayor now? Like, you know, it, just, it was so great. And then the uh, the episode that just premiered on last Thursday, when he talked about King Shark going back to his kingdom because his father dying. But then you also have the story of Harley wanting to kidnap Bruce because they got to find out, you know, where Poison Ivy's best friend is. And you see Bruce Wayne sitting in the Batcave wearing that slouch beanie. And he's got the beard. He's all upset because Catwoman broke up with him. And Batgirl makes fun of the hat. And, he's, and Nightwing's like, I don't know. The hat looks kind of cool. Makes it look like you want a lot of kisses. <laughs> I, I love the press, Bruce. Like, it's my favorite thing, seeing him just looking like an emo boy. <laughs> so upset. Constantly sending Catwoman flowers. Yeah, and then, and the, you know, yeah, delving, yeah. Del, del, delving more into the DC Universe and going into the world of Mad Hatter. And them, so they're taking this and twisting it again because his it was always yeah. very, very Alice in Wonderland-centric. But here they take him yeah, and just yeah. make him a total cre- cre- creeper. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the one long fingernail, and he's picking his ear with it, and he's like, what, is this a long fingernail? Is that what it is? <laughs> No, your whole thing is just gross. <laughs> Everything about you is just kind of gross. You know, you're sniffing on Harley's hair, you know, and, and it's just so weird. But, again, it's a great way to bring that character in and just make it funny and stupid because Mad Hatter was always kind of stupid. Like, I never liked that villain in the Batman universe. So to make him silly like that, <laughs> it works. And, like I said, I still love Bane. I want Bane to come back because the last time you saw him yeah. was at the orgy. Where he was completely naked eating his stuff, going, I got a carbo load. <laughs> it's, it's a carbo load, he's upset because it's all done, because boom, they messed up, and you never cut on the lights during an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, I'm loving what they're doing with Harley Quinn. And yes, now that you brought that up, the season finale is September 15th, and it's also been renewed for season four. So we're beginning, getting a lot more Harley Quinn in the future, and I can't wait. Just I, I love this fucking show. It's so funny, and it just if you're a comic book fan, if you read DC, you see these characters show up, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're bringing these characters in. Like these offshoot characters that nobody thinks about. And then all of a sudden, there's Condiment King, you know, for an episode. <laughs> you know, or having Swamp Thing be this beast, but he's just like a sensitive guy that just wants to be in love. <laughs> you know, he has sex with a girl, and he's like, I love her. And she's like, yeah, dude, that was just a hookup. Like, uh, no. Like, no, no, I'm devastated. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then they, they turn things around and swamp things, like, you know, talking to her, going, but you were inside me. And it's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it's Dr. Freeze's wife, like, it makes it even better. That is Nola. <laughs> you know? When they get to New Orleans, yeah, he's flashing everybody, and she's like, "Woo!" <laughs> okay, <so. laughs> and they're like, "No, we're not even out of the airport yet, sweetie." <laughs> <laughs> and ready, she's there to party, you know. And all Harley wants is a beignet. The entire episode, I just want a fucking beignet. It's that too long for. <laughs> but they all. But yeah, this, what this, I like this, about this. it is that they all give the characters something to do. Like even Clayface, like we talked about, he is the chair for James Gunn for the Bruce Wayne's father movie. But, you know, he's so Winnie's excited about that. that... <laughs> yes, yes. yes, but also, when he's not busy being Billy Bob Thornton, 
actually being played by Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> and I was like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> that it was actually voiced by Billy Bob Thornton. I thought that was fucking amazing that it was actually him. And then he ends up getting killed in the episode. So now Clayface has to be Billy Bob Thornton everywhere he goes. But he's like, I can't go out tonight. I have an engagement as Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. <laughs> just so great. I guess I just I can't wait for more. I can't wait to find out, you know, if, if Ivy's gonna be able to get her friend back from Bruce. They kidnapped him. Frank. It's all moving forward. <laughs> yeah, Frank. That's crazy as a motherfucker. I'm a beast mode now. <laughs> Frank's just the best. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that because they, they did leave it on the cliffhanger, which I I enjoyed. Um, just to find out, you know, exactly why Bruce has it. And obviously Ivy going back into the green, you know, she's <laughs> this little cat woman trying to fend off all the Vern. She's like, everything's fine. Cool. No way is she in the green right now. No, yeah, it's fine. No, no, everything's totally under control. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, okay, so. Looks like we're going to be alone for a little bit, Monkey. You know, the the ghoul is not here yet. So I want to push off She-Hulk for a little bit, see if he, he joins us. Uh, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about Creature Feature Weekend that I attended Ooh, uh, yes. this past Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so as I talked about last week on the show, I was planning on going to Gettysburg for Creature Feature Weekend, which is a three-day event horror convention that they hold there. Uh, there's a lot of guests that were going to be showing up that I really wanted to meet and kind of just have time with. PJ Souls, of course, and Peter Cowper, the miner from My Bloody Valentine, um, Tyler Robin, you know, a bunch of people. John Dugan, Ed Neal from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so I had to bring my Pretty Woman Leatherface outfit to that con. Um, well, so I started yeah. out in street clothes. I wore my totally shirt. And then when I showed up to PJ Souls' table, she was actually wearing the totally shirt. So she had on the exact same shirt. She was like, oh, wow, totally awesome. And I was like, I know, right, totally. And she was like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) She was so happy to see that shirt. Uh, I don't know if it was like her boyfriend or husband, whoever her handler was, was also wearing a totally shirt. He's like, I like that shirt, man. I was like, it's the best shirt ever. (laughs) So I managed to get a picture with her. But this is also one of those things where it's a great for me because I went by myself, you know, of course. So when you're by yourself at a con and you're meeting somebody, if you want to get a picture with them, usually you ask the person in front of you or maybe even behind you, hey, would you mind taking a picture uh, of me and this person? And, you know, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, sure, no problem, no problem. So there was a guy in front of me. He wanted me to take his picture with PJ Souls. I said, no problem, dude. I got you. So he sat down behind the table and I snapped maybe four or five pictures because you got to have safety. Okay. You got to have a couple. Yeah. You can't just do one. Yeah. That's like the rule. For me, that's the rule. Like if you're going to take somebody's picture at a con with a celebrity, do safeties. So I did that for him. I'm like, dude, I took like four or five. You're good. Like they came out really well. He's like, great, cool. All right, your turn. So I walked up to PJ. I got my autograph, went behind the table. I handed him my phone. He took one photo. He handed my phone back. He went, you're good, dude. Said, what? What? Oh, <laughs> that's a, not cool. I was like, no, you don't man. Like, one or two? And he's like, no, no, I got it. You're good. And it's the worst fucking picture. I posted it on my personal uh, Facebook page. I hate it. I it like looks, it because it I'm wearing good. a totally shirt. But 
I look like I'm looking at somebody in the corner of the room because I didn't know where to look. He had set my camera all over the place. I was like, all right, it's terrible. <laughs> like, but at least I got it. Um, when I went to go meet Peter Cowper, who plays a minor uh, in My Buddy Valentine's in 1981, My Buddy Valentine, uh, he uh-huh. was great. You know, very soft-smoking Canadian. You know, thank you so much for liking my movie. It's, it's, it's about time that I got some respect for, you know, what I did. I'm like, yeah, I loved it. Oh, and you were great as the killer. that's so sweet. And <laughs> he brought the actual pickaxe from the movie that he used to kill people. Oh, that's what? And he's like, you oh, want so to hold that it? The... And I was like, yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, that was the shit, actual I didn't realize that was the actual. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because I asked him about it. I'm like, is this the actual pickaxe? And he's like, yeah. You know, and when the movie was over, you know, they said, do you want to take this home? And I was like, yeah, sure, buddy. I'll take it home. You know, I might not even use it one day. <laughs> you know? And there was a girl that was in front of me taking a picture with him, and I had to take the picture for her because, again, she was alone. So I took a couple. She yeah. said, great. And then she took my camera, and she took, like, three or four photos. And she's like, you always have to have safety. I'm like, thank you. Can you tell that fucking yes. butthole behind me? <laughs> you need to take more than one. Like, you know, you got to. So, um, so yeah, I got a lot with Peter. He was really sweet, really cool. I love the autograph. Uh, then I got to meet Tyler Rabine. Uh, we know from Reaper as Sock and also Tucker and Dale versus Evil. He was Dale. You know, yeah. Tuck. <laughs> you got to do the other day. <laughs> you know. So I got to meet him. I got to talk to him about Tucker uh, and Dale versus Evil. And he said when he filmed it with Alan Tudyk, you know, who played Tucker, they had no idea what the fuck they were making at the time. Like, they didn't know what type of movie that they were really making. Like, they knew it was, like, horror. They knew it was comedy. But they didn't really get it. And the director kept saying, believe me, when you guys see the final product, you're going to get it. Like, you're just going to be like, oh, shit, yeah, okay. I, I get what we're talking about here. And he goes, yeah, we saw the final product. I'm like, that works. Like, that's hilarious. Like, these bumbling, you know, outback idiots having no idea what's going on. He's like, we were being chased by fake bees at one point. And he's like, I, I don't know. He's like, but he's like, it worked. And he's like, I think it's a great movie. So I went to take a picture with him, and he wanted to shake my hand. So I shook his hand. He goes, damn, you have some big-ass hands, man. He's like, your hands just like ate mine. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, you know, my girl likes it. He's like, I bet. He's like, look at these things. He's like, I can't find my hands anymore. I was like, thanks, Tyler. <laughs> you know? and I'm, just, I'm just saying, guy, good job. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, so he was just such a, a sweet guy to me. Very funny, very sweet. You know, I actually took time to talk to people, which I always enjoy, uh, even though he had a little bit of a line when I was there. Um, so I decided to, but at that point, that, go around you know, Avengers. He had actually had a line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had a pretty decent line. Um, so I decided at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to hit the Avengers tables. I picked up a lot of cool shit, a lot of small stuff. Um, but I picked up the three-pack of the Toonie Terrors Halloween 3 trick-or-treaters, wearing the pumpkin mask, the witch mask, and the skull mask. That's not even supposed yeah. to be released until next month. But I got it. Well, look at <laughs> so you. The guy had it. Hey. Yeah, he was like, I got it. He's like, 30 bucks and it's yours. And I was like, sold. So I love them. Wait, you know, that was it? Was 30 bucks? Know. Yeah, 30 bucks. And they're, they're selling for like 45. So, you know, he, he sold it for 30. So I was like, all right, cool. All right. I love this. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got all three. I saved the box because the box is really cool. And you'll see it, Monkey, when you come over on Friday. But 
know, I got my little figures and, you know, I got a couple autograph cards, but at a certain point I was like, all right, I got to get in the weather face mode. I was like, I got to get the suit, <laughs> get the chainsaw, get the mask. So I go out to the and, car, and, you know, and I pick and up And this was your yep. first mm-hmm. time cosplaying for a con ever, right? Yes, first time ever. So I have okay. no idea what to expect. All right. I, I, <laughs> monkey, when I, I'm being completely honest. I walked into this con thinking I was going to see a sea of Leatherface. I was going to see a bunch yeah. of people dressed up like Leatherface, and I was like, I want to be the best one, you know, but I know there's going to probably be better. You know, there's probably going to be people that just have amazing costumes. And when I say this, I met one person dressed up like Leatherface, and it was a girl who had a wig on, and she painted stitches all over her faces, put on a yellow apron, and uh, grabbed the chainsaw. And she was like, I'm Lady Leatherface. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. But I think I could do better. <laughs> so <laughs> I went out to my car, and I got the suit, and I got everything together. And I remember I was walking back to the building with the mask and the chainsaw, had the suit on. And this girl goes, fuck, man, you're going to be, like, so hot. And I was like, hey, listen, Gunner did it back in 73. I could do it now. And she's like, right the fuck <laughs> on, man. Gunner Hanson, baby. And I was like, uh-huh. So I put the mask on, and I had the chainsaw in my hand, and yes, it was fucking like a thousand degrees in this hotel with all these people. And the mask is not very good for sight. You can't see very well. Like, I had no peripheral vision. I can only see right in front of me. Um, And I'm walking around, and literally every five feet, somebody's like, can I take a picture? Can I get a picture? And I was like, okay, you sure? Yeah, you know, let's, let's do it. I remember I, I went told outside you. at one point to get some air, I and <laughs> <laughs> I went outside to get air at one point. So I was like, I'm kind of hot. I want to go outside. It was actually, there was a nice breeze. So I went outside, and I sat down with the chainsaw, didn't take the mask off right away. And immediately, people were like, can I get a picture? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know? And the funniest thing was is that there was a lot of young kids. I mean, I'm not talking about, like, teens. I'm talking about little children. You know, maybe, like, five Elementary or six. school kids. Uh, Walking with their parents, you know, walking around the con, just kind of drinking it in and enjoying it. The amount of these little kids going, Leatherface, I want a picture, you know, poking me, you know, trying to get my attention because I can't see. All I can hear is voices. So a lot of them had to tap me on the leg or tap me on the shoulder. And these little children were like, Leatherface, I want a picture with you. So what I did was I gave them the chainsaw and I had them hold it up against me and I would put my hands up in the air. And the parents were like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Thank you so much. And I, was like, I was like, well, I don't really feel right being Weatherface holding a chainsaw to a little kid. <laughs> Just, I don't. I would rather the kids hold the chainsaw. They could rev it up, and they could have fun and stuff like that. Because a, <clears throat> a lot of women came up to me wanting pictures of me cutting their heads off, <clears throat> which I was like, okay. I mean, I, I could do that. I was like, it's a little weird. But, I, but they would just bend. They would either get down on their knees or they would bend down so I could put the chainsaw oh, blade up to the neck. <laughs> and their boyfriend <laughs> going, yeah, babe, that's great. Like, you know, taking a picture. I'm like, hey, guys, if you're having fun, <laughs> why not? Um, I remember there was this one couple <laughs> outside, and the guy came up to me. He's like, yeah, Leatherface, let me get a picture. And I'm like, all right. So I pick up the chainsaw. And then he physically pushes his girlfriend in front of me going, she's first. And I was like, oh, Okay. So we know how you would handle the situation if I was actually Weatherface. <laughs> okay, duly so, noted. Like, right. Yeah, so I got a picture with her, and she was cool with it. And then, you know, the boyfriend wanted the picture. 
So I gave him the chainsaw, and I was like, you be Weatherface, and I'll be the victim. So I put my hands up, and he was like, man, that's the coolest shit ever. He's like, I can't wait to put that on Facebook, man. I was like, I hope you do. I was like, enjoy. <laughs> you know, have fun. Has, has um, and at one point, <laughs> yeah, listen to my podcast. But I remember at one point, I got <laughs> so hot that I had to sit down in a hotel where there was, like, AC. And I was just sitting in this hotel with people passing me by, and I was just sitting with a chainsaw in my lap. Some people thought I was a statue. Some people thought I wasn't real because I wasn't really moving. I was just kind of staring straight ahead. And there was this one couple, a guy and a girl, and they came up to me, and they said, I just wanted to say thank you. I was like, all right, well, what did I do? And they're like, well, you're just sitting here. Like, you're just sitting with a chainsaw on your lap, and you're not bothering anybody, and you're not trying to scare anybody. You're just kind of sitting there in this character, and we really appreciate that because we see so many of these cosplayers, Jason, Michael, you know, they always want to run up to people or stand behind them and just scare them. And, and we just hate that. And we just don't like it. It's kind of misogynistic in a lot of ways. And I was like, hey, man, I'm just hot. <laughs> I'm just trying to sit down for a minute. <laughs> I was like, I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm just trying to sit. And they're like, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool. Um, so after all that, I also got to meet Chris Martina, who directed WNUF Halloween Special and also the sequel Out There, the Halloween Mega tape um the fact that he recognized me when i walked up to his table when i wasn't in costume was fucking amazing like i walked up to the table what? and he was talking to somebody all of a sudden he just does finger guns and he's like andrew hey and i was like uh yep that that'd be me <laughs> you know and he's like i'm glad you could make it out dude he's like i was waiting for you to show up he said you were gonna be here he's like how's it going i'm like awesome i was like this is so fucking cool like you just recognize me right away and he's like, well, you're a fan. And, like, you know, we talk and stuff like that. And, you know, and I ended up buying a copy of What Happens Next Will Scare You, which is a movie that he did. It's the only movie I don't own from him. So I got to buy that. Um, they gave me a free WNUF TV 28 pin so that I could put it on my denim jacket for free. And I was like, oh, that's nice. But then he walks away and he digs into this big bin that he has. And it was filled with stuff. And I couldn't tell. It was just like, it looks like a bunch of props and scripts and stuff like that. And then he pulls out this fake video catalog for Trader Tony's Video Dungeon, which is the whole premise behind the sequel. And he used it for the movie, okay. and it's filled with a bunch of fake titles. So it's like if you were back in the 90s, you want to order videotapes, that's how you do it. Uh, so he goes, this yeah. is what I use in the movie, and I don't have a lot of these. He's like, but you're like a fucking fan. He's like, so I want you to have it. I was like, oh, shit, okay. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> you know, I will he take gave that. you a prop from the movie? Yeah. That's cool as shit. So he's like, you are a fan. I want you to have this. And I'm like, fuck yeah, awesome. I can't wait. This is going to be rad. So he gave it to me. It's on display in the Winchester. You'll see it when you come over. Um, but, yeah, like I, I cannot thank Chris Lamartina and his wife, uh, Melissa, enough. Like they were so sweet and so fucking cool. And I got some really good pictures with them, and I got to hang out with them for a little bit. Um, so that was really fun. But getting to the main event of this. Yes, yes. The Texas Chainsaw the, Massacre. The reason, the, with, yes, the, re, the reason yeah. you went, the reason you cosplayed. Get to it, baby. John Dugan <laughs> and Ed Neal. So the first person I walked up to in costume as Leatherface, Pretty Woman Leatherface, from the end of the movie was John Dugan. And he just sat there for a minute just staring at me. Like he had this little smile on his face, and he just, he's like, so cool so cool and i was like hey john like you know i you know i met you before i'm meeting you now 
um, would you sign my chainsaw? And he's like, well, where do you want me to sign it? And I was like, wherever you want. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Pick a side, pick a blade. And then he goes, do you mind if I do it in the red marker? <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, please. Like, you know, do that. You know, so, you know, he signed it, you know, and he took the chainsaw and then he picked it up and he was looking at it and he's like, wow. He's like, this really does look like gunners. I was like, I worked really hard on it. <laughs> Thank you. And he was like, I don't know. It really does look like that pool on. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, it's not the actual pool on, but it's a replica. Uh, so he signed the blade and he's like, all right, well, take care. And I was like, no, I'm going to see you for the photo op. And he's like, you're going to be dressed like that, right? And I was like, hell yeah. He goes, all right, see you then. And he got all excited. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, the fact that he did that. Then I went over to meet Ed Neal. And Ed Neal, like, he's kind of an out there guy. Like, you know, he, he's nice. He's very sweet. But he's kind of spacey at times. Like, he's just very animated. Almost like he has ADHD. Okay. Like, he's always talking about something. He's very animated. Um, so he was, like, 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 well, like almost like Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And, like, he just... He was very sweet, but then he would, like, be, like, weird. Like, at one point, he was uh, taking a picture with a girl, and he went, let's do it like Gary Busey. Nope, can't do that. Can't do that. Can't be Gary. No, let's not talk about that. And I was like, oh, okay. No, it's not. <laughs> like, he meant well, but it was just like, oh, man. Like, okay. But um, I wanted him to sign my blade, but he was charging $100. So I had something signed that you bring. So, yeah, I... No, I decided. <laughs> I was like, yeah, nope, can't do that. John charged 30. <laughs> he was charging 100. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. So I'll just get an autograph for 40. Um, and then I picked out this photo of them. It's a very funny photograph from 74 where they're posing kind of funny and just kind of being silly. And he was like, oh, man, that's a great story behind this one. Yeah, back in back then we were taking all these kind of like uh, end of the movie photos and we wanted to be silly and funny. And this German photographer showed up and he was looking at all the photos and he was like, I love this one. It's so artistic. And he ended up making it the international uh, VHS release for the, the VHS copies that went out. And he was like, I don't know. Oh, he's like, it's a fun one. He's like, so yeah, we had fun with it, you know, and he signed it Ed Neil the hitchhiker. And, and then I was like, all right, thank you. Ed. I'll see you for the, the photo op. And he goes, you're going to go just like that. I was like, uh-huh. He goes, hell yeah, brother. <laughs> and I was like, all right. <laughs> I waited in line. You know, they had, a very, they had a very, very long line, but luckily I managed to get up there real quick. Because um, oh, it was great. like 4 o'clock. So at like 10 to 4, I found where they're doing the photo ops, and I just lined right up. So there was only like four people in front of me. I was like, I was smart. Oh, and nice. <laughs> I looked at the line and it was down past the entrance. So I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I walked oh. out. Um, and I'm standing there with my chainsaw and people are still walking past and still wanting to take pictures of me. So I'm doing it. And then John Dugan, uh, he has the makeup on. He has the old man grandpa makeup on, but he yeah. still has his shirt and jeans on. He's got to change it into the shirt of the suit. And I guess that's where right. he was going. Like he was going to change it to the suit. So he's stomping down the hallway, and he's drinking a, a Stella Artois. And then he stops at a dead halt right in front of me. And then he just stares at me for a minute. And then all of a sudden, he smiles and puts his hand up for a high five. And he goes, for the Sawyers. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody around me was like, oh, that's the coolest woman ever. <laughs> what a face-giving grandpa high five. 
And then, yeah, you know, I went in, and unfortunately, they were running late, so they had to do everything rapid fire. Like, it was like, okay, go oh, in, okay. snap, good. Everybody go in, snap. Like, so you couldn't really pose. You couldn't be like, well, I want to do this. You know, like, they didn't give you the chance to kind of figure out what pose you were going to do. Um, they just right. like, threw you in there, and like, here it is. Like, so I get in there, and Ed and John are in costume, and John's smiling at me, and Ed's laughing. So I stand in the middle of them. And Ed's like, God damn. He's like, you're a big boy just like Gunner. And I was like, thank you, John. Thank you, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and then that as I so walk cool. out of the room, Ed claps a hand over my shoulder, and he goes, hey, you know what, buddy? The saw is family. And I was like, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> and I was just, you know. <laughs> and then I got my photo, and I went home. But, man, it was just, it was a fucking time, dude. Like, it was just, it was so much fun. You know, meeting them, seeing them in costume, uh, having all these people come up to me wanting photos. I mean, it was so weird. <laughs> like, I'm not used to that. So it was kind of like, I like, but I didn't turn anybody down. It wasn't like, no, dude, I'm too tired. I'm too like, hot. No, I was like, everybody. I was like, anybody that came up to me wanting a photo, I was like, yeah, hell, let's do it. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, maybe like two or three people are going to be like, can I get a photo with you? No, ended up being like the entire time I was in costume. Like, even if I was walking in the hallway, they're like, hey, cool, man, very cool. Can I get a picture? I'm like, hell yeah, man. And at one point, somebody looked at me and said, are you so dedicated to playing Gunner from 74 that you actually put, like, sweat marks all over your shirt? I was like, no, that's actual sweat. I'm, I'm dying. I, I think I'm dying. <laughs> like, all I feel is sweat, and I'm so and I posted a picture on my Facebook page of me out of, out of the mask and out of the suit jacket, and my shirt's just covered. My hair is completely matted down by sweat. And I was like, oh, man. I was like, just imagine Gunner back in 73 in this hot fucking house in the middle of Texas, and he has to keep that mask on that you can't see very well out of, and he has to perform. And I was like, so I did it yeah. for Gunner. And I was like, if, if he did it back in 74, God damn it, I'm going to do it in 2022. And it came out for the best. I, I love the photo that I got. You know, I posted it, you know, on my social. Um, eventually, I posted it on Talking Terror Social, but having to switch back and forth profiles sucks. So that's why I didn't really post a lot of it on the Talking Terror page because it just it takes a lot out of you. Um, yes, it does, especially right. with the new format that, that uh, Facebook has done. But at the same time, though, it's like, again, your first cosplay – you, you got great yeah. reactions from the people that were there, and you went there and you did awesome because you were there to perform and, you know, bring a performance to them, and you made someone else's calling experience a memorable one. So nice job, King. I hope so. I hope so. I hope that there's people out there going home, looking through their photos, and there's them with Leatherface. Um, there was, at one point, a guy dressed up like Eddie Munson, from Stranger Things, and he kept following me around going, do the dance, do the dance. And I was like, hey, wait a second. I'll do the dance if you can grab a guitar and do the Metallica Master of Puppets solo. And he's like, you got me there, Weatherface. And then he just walked away. So, and I was like, oh, poor Eddie Munson. <laughs> you know? um, so it's just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I hope I made people's day <clears throat> dressing up like that because there was no other Weatherfaces. Like, there was no other one. And a woman came up to me and said, you know what? I was kind of hoping I would run into a Leatherface. She's like, but I finally found you. She's like, thank you. 
She's like, there's no other weather faces here. She's like, there's a lot of Jasons, there's a lot of Michaels. But no, not really any weather faces. <clears throat> I was like, yep, yeah, that's what I did it. <laughs> you know, I was happy to do it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So, yeah, just it, it was a lot of fun. And if I ever do it again, I probably would go back and, and cosplay as Leatherface. But from the beginning of the movie, where it just has the apron on yeah. and the short sleeve shirt. <laughs> not, not in the fucking cotton and, suit. And, and, That's super and, heavy. And the, other, and the other mask that we uh, customized so that you can actually breathe in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that we, we actually cut it open so that I could breathe in it. So, yeah, that, you know, luckily <laughs> I could drink out of it. I could actually drink water out of the mask. So I was glad I could kind of pull the, the lips open a little bit and, you know, and sip on some water, you know, because they had a lot of water stations, luckily. So I was glad about that. Um, I didn't get to meet Kimberly Beck, uh, who played Trish in Friday the 13th Part 4, but she loved my costume. Because I'm, I walked past her at one point in the costume, and she started waving at me, and she was like, Leatherface. And I was like, yeah, see, I'm not Jason. You can say hi to Leatherface. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, she was very sweet. I, I didn't get a picture with her or uh, John Michael Graham, because John Michael Graham, you know, he was charging 50, and he had a long line every time I walked past. I was like, really? For Bob? Okay. Like, <laughs> a long line? I was like, he was in the movie for like five minutes. I'm like, that's all right. I could, I could skip it. <clears throat> I don't need to be Bob that bad. He, you know, so. He, he, if you met him, he probably would have just wanted to rip your clothes off anyway. <laughs> or a little girl's clothes off, which I told you. still bothers me to this day. First I'll rip your clothes off, and then I'll rip Lindsay's clothes off. And not rip my shirt. Like, you know, why are you talking about ripping a girl's shirt off, dude? <laughs> Weird. Um, so we still do not have the ghoul. Uh, Dean obviously is off. So I think it's just going to be me and you <laughs> for this episode. I think it's just going to be me and you hanging out. Um, so we'll save She-Hulk uh, for next week. And plus, we have the extra episode coming out uh, tomorrow. Um, you want to talk about some horror news before we get into the movie? We absolutely can. What have you got on the docket? <laughs> All right, so speaking of My Bloody Valentine, because I met Peter Cowper, who plays the killer minor in that movie, it's recently been announced that George Mahalka's Canadian Slasher, which was released back in 1981, is finally going to be getting an official novelization, which you can pre-order now oh. at Stop the Killer. The book will officially release in February of 2023, just in time for Valentine's Day. It will cost you thirty four ninety five and includes scenes cut from the movie, an extra chapter, and a forward by Mahalka himself. So if you're like me, because I definitely want to get a copy uh, of novelizations based on a movie, like, I, I definitely think I'm going to want to get this one, especially if it's My Bloody Valentine. That's the way to do it. Go on to StopTheKiller.com and pick up your copy, and you'll have it just in time for Valentine's Day next year. And you'll be the most romantic ghoul on the block. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here, baby, I got you a copy of My Bloody Valentine. The book. I don't want to read. You can just watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's got deleted scenes and an extra chapter. Ooh, okay, now I want to read it. See, that's how you get them. Get them with the extra chapter and the deleted scenes. <laughs> um, but we talked about the minor. We talked about Leatherface. We talked about Michael. want to talk about Jason Voorhees. Could there be something happening in 2023? Maybe, oh, possibly. On. We don't know. So, Sean oh, Cunningham, who directed the first movie, <laughs> back in 1980, directed the first movie, didn't have Jason in until the end, the whole dream sequence. Uh, he is on Cameo. And 
as we've talked about previously on the show, Cameo, you could get celebrities to do videos for you. I got one for the monkey with Matt McDowell, giving him a greeting. Uh-huh. So apparently Sean S. Cunningham is on there as well. But he recently updated his bio so that it now reads, Sean S. Cunningham directed and produced the seminal horror film Friday the 13th, creating the iconic villain Jason Voorhees. The movie has spawned 12 installments with a 13th scheduled for next year. That seems pretty fucking bold. (laughs) To put that in your bio, that there's a 13th installment coming out next year. That, to me, it... Because you know how the movie, like, originally got started, right, Monkey? How the original Friday the 13th movie got started? Uh, Or do you not know uh, that story? No, no, please enlighten me. So back in 79, going almost into 1980, Shonas Cunningham, who had been known for producing uh, porno movies back in the 70s, he worked on Last House on the Left with the late Wes Craven, uh, he decided he wanted to make a movie, but he didn't really have any type of plot or characters or anything like that. So he was just thinking of the title, and he goes, why don't we just call it Friday the 13th, the most terrifying movie you'll ever see. And then they put the ad out in Variety with no plot, no writers, no cast, no director, just Friday the 13th, the most terrifying movie you'll ever see. And then all of a sudden, what? all this interest started picking up about this movie that had nothing, just the title. <laughs> all of a sudden, like, everybody was a buzz. Like, what's Friday the 13th? Like, what's that all about? So he eventually got funding to make the movie, and that's how it started with Friday the 13th, was that it's just mad. So this could just be Sean S. Cunningham doing that thing again. Where he's like, another movie coming out next year. And it's like, you don't have anything, dude. <laughs> You're just saying it. <laughs> but this being so. the 13th installment of Friday the 13th, do you think possibly Correct. they're going to be fighting to see who can possibly get this a movie out first to actually be the 13th film? Uh, he definitely is going to want to do it. I definitely think that's what it is. I think, I think what he's doing is trying to get his feelers out there because he knows that he kind of has rights to make a Friday the 13th movie, but it's kind of like an overseas deal where, like, Victor Miller owns the rights right now for domestic, and he owns it for international. So it's maybe him and Victor kind of clear things up, and they're kind of friends again, and we'll see something. Who knows? But I think this is just him kind of putting his feelers out for if there's really interest in another sequel. And, of course, there is. People have been clamoring for another Jason movie for years. So... We'll see what happens. Well, of course but, yeah, they are. He's, Jason is the superior freaking hey, guy. Hey, cool. Hey, cool. <laughs> oh, what is up? What is up? What is up, fellas? Hello, oh. hello, hello. So, hello, hello. Add, so we welcome. Just to add in a little bit on your uh, – because remember, I, I, I love Friday the 13th, and I pretty much, you know, swamped myself in everything that – Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember the other thing to do with, with his initial – advertising for Friday the 13th, it was more about putting that poster out to find out if anybody actually had the rights to that name. Correct. Because because of the buzz Mm -hmm. of Halloween, you know, they were trying to figure out, like, what holidays could they possibly use? They figured out, Mm -hmm. okay, well, Friday the 13th is an unlucky number, but they didn't know if anybody actually owned it. So when he put that ad together, it was just to put it out there and actually see if any company or somebody, a lawyer, would contact him and be like, yo, that's a cease and desist. You can't use it. But then, yeah, it created – it's similar to Jaws. 
the mystery of it is what created this huge buzz around it and then helped just turn it into the franchise that it is. Yeah, because I remember he was also saying that he had some financing through a guy uh, to make Friday the 13th, and he was Sean was kind of like up on the fence about it. He didn't really know if he was going to go through with it or if it was going to work out. So then he called this guy in like early, early morning hours and said, let's fucking do it. Let's make Friday the 13th. And he goes, I'm glad you called because I was about to use that money to open up a supermarket. (laughs) (laughs) If if he had never made that call, that guy would open up a supermarket and we would have never gotten Friday the 13th. So (laughs) this goes to show you. You know, uh, what happens, you know, when you make that final call. But, yeah, I also mentioned, Ghoul, since you weren't here, uh, about Creature Feature Weekend. I did meet Kimberly Beck, but I didn't get an autograph. She just loved my Weatherface costume. Nice. She, at one point, you know, she gave me a thumbs up, and then she stood up from the table, and she goes, Weatherface, I love you. And I was just like, all right. (laughs) You know, know, and and I think, you know. So, yeah, it was very cool, and I, I talked about how Tyrell being felt my hands were way too fucking big, and I was like, yeah, I'll take that. I was like, I have no complaints, <laughs> you know, at the size of my hands. But he was very cool to me, very funny. Um, but, yeah, we, we moved on from that. Um, look at the timelines. Do uh, you guys want to talk about She-Hulk? Have we all watched it, episode two? I've seen it. Has the glory yeah. a chance to check it out? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I watched it. You know me. I watched it on Thursday when it was like um, first Yeah, I'll dropped. give my thoughts at the end. I mean, I really did enjoy it. I'll give my thoughts at the end. But, Google, what did you think about Episode 2 versus Episode 1? Because I thought Episode 2 was a lot stronger than the first one. Uh, I mean, I think Episode 2 gave you a better idea of what the show is, is, is actually. Um, you know, yeah. Episode 1 was, was, was all about intro. It's all about, you know, ooh, we put the Hulk in a series type of deal. Um Episode two was more about showing you what She-Hulk is going to be, uh, what we're going to get out of the next few episodes, and uh, yeah, I liked it. I, th- I think it's fun. I think it's yeah, it's fun, flirty, and green. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. I love the fact that you know it starts out with you know She-Hulk, you know, going to the courtroom, and then all of a sudden Titania shows up, the social media influencer. And, you know, she immediately gets fired because of what happened. And it's all of a sudden, She-Hulk, attorney for hire, question mark? <laughs> I love that they did that, you know, for the intro. It's like, yeah, no, she, she's for hire now. Um, you know, but it was a, a lot of fun, a lot of cool Easter eggs. Uh, Monkey, did you catch on any of those? Uh, no, I didn't really get a chance to actually, like, research the episode. Uh, like, you know, maybe I caught them without catching them, but, you know, what, like, what was dropped in there? Um, there was a couple of them. Uh, I know that the, the ghoul dropped the, the Easter eggs, if you missed it, uh, video on our group chat. Uh, but there is a reference to the Eternals. There's a reference to Wolverine. Uh, so there's a reference to a, a couple of those characters in the episode peppered within um, outside of, of uh, Neil Blonsky. Uh, and I love the fact that Hulk says, yeah, I'm not even a good guy anymore. <laughs> uh, that, that was so much fun, man. You know, I'm not even the same person. You know, like that. That I love it. That cause that for me goes right there with uh, Don Chadle in Iron Man Two. You know, when, <laughs> yeah. when 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 he turns to when, when Tony turns to Rosie as he's at in that court meeting. You know, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't think you were gonna be here." And he's like, "It's me. Just deal with it." That's it, you know, and it was like the actor saying, like, look, we know there was all this hubbub over, over uh, whatever his name was, you know, playing the role, 
I'm the one that's got it now. Let's just deal with this and move on. <laughs> so what did you think of the episode, Monkey? Do you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that they're continuing on. I like that at the same time they're still keeping up with the whole thing of her trying to find her balance in the world as a woman, as a professional, and, you know, while still trying to be an individual at the same time and her battles, if you will, about tr- just trying to figure out who she is, especially in a world where she is being forced to be someone that she doesn't really want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the comic books, uh, there were some things that I noticed uh, because I did read a lot of the She-Hole comic books. Um, we do see Pug show up. Um, he's the assistant that brings in, like, the welcome package to her, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you can go poop and where oh. you can't. Uh, so he's in the comic <laughs> book as well. He becomes a love interest. Uh, and he does have a where you can poop and where you can't poop map in the comic books because he's just very concerned about people <laughs> and going to the bathroom. Um, you know, so I enjoyed that. I also like the fact that the GLKNH, uh, the head of the GLKNH, he tells her, like, you have to be She-Hulk the entire time, you know, when you're with us. Like, it's just going to be superhuman law, and that's what you need to be. And in the comic books, he wanted her to be human when she was defending people. Like, he didn't want her to be She-Hulk. So I kind of like the, the switch where you have this guy saying, no, you're going to have to be She-Hulk when you're in court and you know, representing people. Um, and holy shit, Marklin Baker playing her fucking dad. You know, Dude, right Larry now, from like, Perfect oh Strangers. God, look, it's Larry from Perfect Strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him just showing up out of nowhere and playing her dad and just playing fucking Cousin Larry again. Just, oh, hey, welcome home. Yeah, you want to talk about Hawkeye? Like, where did you get all those arrows from? Did you get them? Did you pick them up? <laughs> <laughs> does he have to go back and get around? them all? It'd be dangerous to leave those things around. <laughs> <laughs> and just having the, the post-credit scene of her doing everything for her family, carrying all the water bottles yeah. as She-Hulk yeah. and lifting yeah. up the car to change the tire. <laughs> well, I it was, thought, it was so know, awesome. I, I, obviously, one of the big major things that we saw in this as well was, was the Hulk in the Sakarian ship. Yeah. Flying yep. off, you know, and, and that can go a number of ways, you know. I know we've got uh, we we we've got the not the Secret Wars, we got the other thing, the uh, the the, the one that's going to be the Skrull Kree War or whatever it is. Uh, I forget what that one's called. Uh, Secret oh. Invasion. Oh, Secret, Secret invasion. invasion. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. what, they're, what they're going at, but a lot of people are thinking that it's a possibility that we might actually see a legitimate World War Hulk. Oh, so. yeah, I would, yeah. Or Planet Hulk or like a World War Hulk uh, kind of combination. I love it. That's where I thought they were mm-hmm. going. Like them bringing him back to Sakaar. I was like, yeah, it's definitely going to be like a World War Hulk type situation uh, with that character. And then just to have Tim Roth back, as Emil Blonsky, it just put a big fucking smile on my face because I actually loved his character in the Incredible Hulk movie. Like, going through the process of becoming the abomination and then seeing it happen, and now he's like, yeah, I thought I was going to be like fucking Captain America. Instead, the government fucked me, and that's why I'm here. I was like, yep, I'd be bitter too, But you know what, man? You know what? That's him playing her. That's him being a villain playing, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the... the role. I could see that. Because he yeah. wasn't trying to be Captain America. He had a personal stake in the whole thing. He was all kinds of shitty 
during that time. Remember, he was on loan from freaking Britain to to help take down this this monster. You know, so so it's like them skewing the facts a little bit. If you go back and watch that Incredible Hulk movie, you know, different man at all. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Emil. I watched Blonsky, it earlier. Yes. Yeah. He starts, I can watch that movie. say man. after he gets yep. the serum, he might be a little more fucked up. You know that that I no yeah. No, I actually but, watched but that movie he, earlier, he, and it's true. Yeah, what he wants to do with Abomination, like when he gets the, the doctor to hook him up with all the serum, and he's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. He's like, just fucking do it. You know? Yeah, so he had a plan. see Leader. Is he going to come back? Oh, I love it. Okay, yeah. Remember, that was the Easter egg at the end of that movie, too, because he had gotten the drips yes. of whatever on his head, and you see him kind of yeah. get that smile as his skull was like mm-hmm. enlarging. I would love if they brought that character back. But, yes, what are you going to say, Monkey? Oh, yeah, just along with Tim Roth. It's it's just him getting up in Hulk's face <laughs> in that movie. And he's just like, what, you know, what, what have you got, bitch? <laughs> I, I just fucking loved it. He, he, he was the only reason I tolerated that movie because, again, I just do not like the, those Hulk movies. It's just, no. <laughs> but him being it was... A really, really pleasant surprise. Yeah, it was fun to see him back. And, again, I didn't see Shang-Chi. I know, uh, Google, you did, but I heard that Abomination makes an appearance in Shang-Chi. So it's like there was like a tease in the movie. Yeah, I mean, basically what you see in that little bit of footage right there, I mean, you see a little bit of a fight between Abomination and Wong. Um, And then Mm. they, uh, you know, they both, uh, you see them both also get up and, like, walk through one of the Wong's little portals together, you know, the uh, the ring portals that they do. Right, right. Oh, so, yeah, I, okay. I saw that, and I was like, oh, interesting, because I, I didn't see that, but I was like, it's, it's kind of interesting they're bringing Abomination back. And, yes, uh, you know, it's kind of weird with Hulk. So, like, we've talked about it before. Like, I didn't really like Eric Bana when they had Hulk, Ang Lee's, hang, uh, Ang Lee's Hulk. I was like, oh, eh, that that's not terrible. working for me. Ed Norton, I was like, you know what? I like it. He's not the best, you know, but, you know, it's better than Banner. Then when Mark Ruffalo took the role, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. This is fucking Bruce Banner. <laughs> you know, I was like, please keep him. It was keep a Bruce Banner for, for today. You know, I think that's, yeah. that's really what it is, you know. Like, when you, when you look at what Norton was doing, Norton was channeling, you know, the, the TV show. Seven, Hulk. He really was, Hulk. you know. And, and the problem with Norton is, is you know, as great as an actor as he can be, he also likes to have his finger in everything. He likes to control yes, he everything. He wanted to do shit with yep. the writing. He wanted to change the story. He wanted to do this. He wanted to do that. And, you know, as we see, you know, Marvel and, and now Disney specifically, they have paths that they're going on. So you can't necessarily yeah. have your actors dictating so much of, of the things as well. Obviously, they want input, but they don't want trouble. And, and Norton, unfortunately, can sometimes bring that, that little bit of trouble there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard about that. And I think Ruffalo just is happy to play the character. But he did an interview recently where he's like, yeah, I was actually kind of really bummed that they didn't invite me back for a Thor Love and Thunder. He's like, I would have loved to have been in that movie. He's like, just have a little cameo. <laughs> you know, he's like, Thor's my dude. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I didn't you know, have it. Fine. My intro to Ruffalo was 13 going on 30. And yes, yes. just something <laughs> about that actor that I, I like him. 
You know, he just comes yeah. off as a very <laughs> likable human being. And, you know, I hope that that is who he is because it just it, it feels like it's genuine off of him. So <clears throat> it's going to be hard seeing him, you know, portraying a mean version of the Hulk if, if that is where they're going to go, you know. But we also have uh, yeah. the other, other big hint is that, uh, you know, you have Abomination talking about the, uh, the Thunderbolts. You know, he's he's met yes. a couple of yep. people that he uh, that that some soulmates <laughs> that he wants to get together with, and they showed him in the background of that one scene. They they showed like seven people lined up when he was talking about that. Something like, okay, mm-hmm. is that the Thunderbolts kind of reference? But uh, like I was talking before, when Jennifer uh, is looking for a new job, she's looking at a web page, and they have like a Where's Ant Man page. Okay, I guarantee you that's probably like a Where's Waldo. And then they had an Avengers uh-huh. tab and a Norse mythology tab. And then they had an article saying a man with claws is involved in a bar brawl. And I was like, that's X-Men, the first one from 2000. <clears throat> that's got to be that reference where it's like, yeah, he got involved in a bar brawl and just took out his claws. And I was like, oh, man, are we really bringing in Wolverine? I can't wait. <laughs> it's like fingers yeah, crossed. I think we're going to start seeing little hints, little things dropped here and there. You know, we, we, saw, we saw that the – X-Men exist in certain universes. So if, if yeah. everything is a multiverse, it doesn't necessarily mean that they, uh, that they don't exist in this universe. It just means we have not seen how they exist in this universe. Mm-hmm. But it, it's cool of them to put that tease in there. And it's like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing, you know, but, you know, stay tuned. You know, so let's see what we do. <laughs> um, and, then, and that Eternals reference, too, about the, the statue. You know, where it's like, oh, there's mm-hmm. a weird fucking formation. It looks like a man. <laughs> you know, it's like, even a turtle yeah, shout of, out. Coming out of the fucking ocean somewhere. I mean, that is something that there's been like a, a slew of articles on in regards to this phase in particular, you know, because so much of it's been like, you know, a lot of people have kind of like just taken to the fact that this phase seems to be completely out of order as far as like their, the, the timeline goes. Nobody really knows where anything sits. Because the question is, is like, how is it that this gigantic event occurs? A gigantic, you know, being is coming out of the ocean and is, you know, <laughs> frozen and left as a statue, and yet Earth's mightiest heroes have nothing to do or say about it. You know, there, there, there's never a mention in any of the other films at all. So I'm glad it no, finally at least got acknowledged a little bit. Yeah, me too. Like, I knew that from the Eternals. I, I haven't seen the Eternals yet, but I knew that it was in the Eternals. And I was like, all right. So at least they're mentioning it. You know, they're putting a shout out there to the Eternals and also Wolverine, uh, like I said. So I can't wait for episode three. I know, I think they said it's going to be nine episodes. So we got seven more to go. Um, can't wait. Just a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Like, it's my first Marvel, you know, Disney Plus show. And I'm, just, I'm loving it. Like, I love the Deadpool breaking of the fourth wall. I hope they keep that going. <laughs> you know, where it's like they're constantly winking at the camera. Um, I love that Jennifer, you know, when she's drinking as She-Hulk, she could just down everything because of metabolism. When she has to turn back, she's falling on the floor. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh shit. Sorry, different metabolism. <laughs> <laughs> and just, yeah. I, I love, and plus, they were playing Allie McBeal on the television at one point, and I was like, oh, nice. Uh, you know, she's an attorney. Nice. Oh, like, you know? <laughs> and so is, so is Jennifer Wal- Walters. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about before we get into the movie is something that the girl and I watched the trailer for is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, so Winnie the Pooh and Piglet are now 
psychotic killers because Christopher Robin abandoned them uh, and just left them to become feral, and they become slasher villains. Uh, the trailer just came out, and I posted it on the Facebook page. I, I was like, how the fuck can they do this? It's Winnie the Pooh. It's like a trademark character. Well, I found out that the original story nope. just fell recently <laughs> in the public domain. So yep, now yep. they can do whatever the fuck they want with Winnie the Pooh. And, dude, I, I can't wait for this fucking movie. <laughs> trailer, seeing Winnie the Pooh cut off people's heads and Piglet, you know, going after people. I was like, yes, this is the movie I want. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know in January of this year, uh, the character, uh, the characters, you know, have yep. uh, have all become public domain. So uh, it is no longer you know a a copyright that is held by by Disney as far as the film rights to the characters go, uh, from right. depicted from the book. And uh, yeah, people are free to do with as they they please. So so yes, uh, this this is what. A you know if you read a lot of articles, it's what a lot of people kind of dread was going to happen right off the rip, and uh, yeah, it definitely looks like it's uh, it's something, all right. Yeah, it, it's just, it's something, and it's something I want to see. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, all right. So with that being said, I want to get into tonight's movie. Uh, originally, it was going to be the Dean's pick. It got switched to me because he's off tonight, and we're going to be talking about Freeway. From 1996, directed by Matthew Bright, starring Keeper Sutherland, Reese Witherspoon, Amanda Plummer, Honey Bunny, and Brittany Murphy, uh, Bokeem Woodbine. Uh, so <laughs> Vanessa Lutz is a teenage delinquent who runs away from her prostitute mother and perverted stepfather to go live with her grandmother. While on her way, she meets Bob Wolverton, a charming yet sadistic serial killer. Fearing for her life, she attempts to kill Bob, but Bob makes himself appear to be the victim, and Vanessa is sent to jail. Now she must escape and clear her name before he can strike again. So it's a tale as old as time. It's Little Red Riding Hood, but it's set in 1996. It's twisted. It's fun. Um, I enjoyed it a lot because it was on heavy rotation on HBO back in the day. I love Keeper Sutherland in the 90s when he plays villains. He's great as a good guy, you know, I mean, of course. But when he plays the villain, he goes all in, and he's dedicated to playing that character, especially in this movie. Another good recommendation would be Eye for an Eye where he looks like James Hetfield the entire time, and he's just a killer and a rapist. Um, but I love it when he plays the villain and really just digs into the character. Uh, so with that being said, Ghoul, what did you think about Freeway? So I, I just got to put it right out there from the start. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I mm-hmm. caught this in, in the mid-'90s, uh, the first time I'd ever seen it. I, I saw it in what I would consider is the perfect way to watch certain movies. I was tripping my balls off on LSD. Uh, this, this, this was on at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I came in mm-hmm. a little bit after uh, Bokeem Woodbine's character was killed. So there were certain mm-hmm. elements of the story that I didn't know the first time watching it. Um, but, you know, obviously like shortly thereafter, you know, I... I, I ended up catching the whole entire movie and, and yeah I, there, there's nothing to not love this is this and this is what i realized watching it yesterday this is a grindhouse movie is really what yes. it is this is yep. totally this would totally fit in with so many of those movies from the 70s in which you just have somebody on a journey and they're going to go through some fucked up shit and there's going to be absurdity to fucking that's going to occur and you got to either go with it or you're going to resist it and if you resist it you're going to dislike this movie if you go with it you're going to fucking smile as silly as silly as fucking 
Vanessa herself does at times, man. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, this, this is a fun, fun fucking ride of a movie, and I absolutely agree. Kiefer Sutherland does play villains best because he just yes. has... He has that look, and he has an edge to his tone. Um, mm-hmm. His father, he, Donald. He's a Sutherland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they just kind of have, like, these... And I know that both of them are very nice people, but they have this, <laughs> yeah. like, look and air about them that makes you almost... It's, it's almost like they feel like they're superior to everybody around them. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is what allows them to play off being villains the way they do. What about you, Monkey? What do you think about this one? Yeah, what do you think about it? What do you think about Freeway? Oh, uh, okay, yeah, this was my first time watching this. <laughs> Whoa, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> so, virtual. like, yeah. Did you feel like, so I feel like a human Did you feel like a human urinal, Monkey? Did you feel like a human urinal? Pretty much, urinal? yeah. When they ejaculated yeah, yeah, in your yeah. mouth, did you feel yeah. like a human urinal? I actually, actually, yeah, because I told the diva what this movie was. And she went, hold on, and went and pulled a copy out of our collection. I didn't even know what the movie was, and I sure as fuck didn't even know we had it. <laughs> so, so I asked her, you know, if, if, so I said, you know, do, you know hey, do you, you want to watch it with me? And she simply said, this movie, when it's your first time watching it, this movie is a journey that you need to take on your own and soak it in and, and just yep. enjoy the ride. You know, because the diva, she fucking loves this movie. Um, she she loves it when people take fairy tales and t- takes them and turns them and twists them into their own vision. Uh, like you know that that's why like she's such a big big fan of the comic book series Fables. You know, but to me right. this was just this was just a fucking dirty, dirty '90s movie <laughs> that just made you feel fucking dirty. I mean. Okay, great. Yeah. This this isn't like the grittiest or goriest of those weird '90s movies, you know, like Pulp Fiction or Miami Blues, um, you know, or Next even fucking killers. Finding Zoe. Yeah, or or even fi- Finding Zoe, to name a few. But yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. has that vibe, you know, that makes you just want to take a shower after watching it. Um, <laughs> that being nice. said, that being that being said though, it's like great mix of. Killing, killing dirty, Zoe, l- the movie you're thinking of, not yeah. Finding Zoe. Oh yeah, yeah, Zoe. yes, yes, Killing Zoe. Thank you. Um, but yeah, all of that being said, though, is like it was a great make mix of just you know fucked up dirtiness with a really good dark sense of humor. So, and then it was just a really nice fucked up spin on a classic fairy tale. But yeah, really nice combination of everything. It led to a really nice, fun, fucked up movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad that it was your first time, because you can never forget your first time watching Freeway. Are you just like this, this was actually nope. made? <laughs> Somebody made this movie, <laughs> you know. And there was a sequel, you know, it came out a couple of years later called uh, Freeway Two: Tales of a Trick Baby. Not as good, what? although Natasha Leone did. It, it was actually a take is, on uh, Hansel on and Gretel. It is on Amazon Prime, <clears throat> so it yeah. is available yeah, as well to a, watch. Yeah, and it's not bad. It's a take on Hansel and Gretel. So they did Little Red Riding Hood for Freeway, and they did, uh, and the same director too. So Matthew Bright came back to do the sequel. Um, it's it's just not as good, but you know, we'll check it out. It's like the Google said, it's on Amazon, so you can check it out and see what you think. 
Um, <clears throat> so we end up opening this movie with an animated opening sequence, which brings the big bad wolf and sexy little erotic hood straight to the 90s. And then that leads <laughs> us to Vanessa Wells. It was in remedial English class, and by remedial, I mean she's in her, you know, what, 15, I think, is she, what age is she supposed to be? <clears throat> and she can't pronounce the word cat. So she's trying to pronounce a sentence, the cat drinks milk. And she finally does it, and what is her reward? Well, her boyfriend, Chopper Wood, makes out with her. Hell yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I love you. <laughs> and the teacher's like, did you enjoy that reward? She's like, hell yeah, she did. Got to make out with her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so Chopper like, Wood is her boyfriend, fuck? played by Bokeem West. Um, but yeah. So after school, Vanessa finds her mom, Ramona, prostituting herself on the street corner. But she's really not like, good at it because everybody's like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Nah, I'm, I'm really fine. <laughs> I don't... And, of course, this is Amanda Plummer, who we know from Pulp Fiction as Honey Bunny. You know, with Tim Roth, who we just talked about, you know, from that same movie. Put your fucking hands up in the air! Be cool, honey bunny. Be cool with the phones. Um, but in this movie, she is Ramona. So after Ramona and Vanessa have a heated argument, Vanessa runs into Ramona's dead Pete husband, Larry, who gives her shit as well because he's an asshole. They waited all day in line to get rental tickets. So Ramona finally gets picked up by John outside. And then we see there's a special news report on television where Detective Garnett Wallace, played by Dan Hedaya of Clueless fame in 95, uh, discovers that there is the I-5 killer, and he's been killing people along the way, women that have records of prostitution. Uh, just be aware, be safe, you know, we're going to find this guy. And Larry decides he wants to get high and decides he wants to try to sexually assault Vanessa, and she tries to fight off his advances, but not really fighting him off, kind of being play- playful, you know, just kind of hating him. He's like, I don't stop it, stop it. She's like, get away from me, man. Like, you know, but uh, uh, we see that there's something this- going on. This movie walks a real fine line, and it's the kind of thing that I don't mm-hmm. think that you would necessarily get away with today. You know, because, no, it, no. you know, there's points in this movie where, like, and, and it's funny, but, like, when we got to a later point of the film, I, I turned to, to, the, to the ghoul girl, and I was like, you know, it's interesting in which, realistically speaking, you can't mm-hmm. sympathize with any of the characters in this. No, because ultimately, no. they all kind of turn out to be pretty shitty. They all are horrible people. Because even as we find out that Vanessa has a very extensive criminal background with arson and solicitation <laughs> and other things, um, she's not picture perfect. Um, no, which and plays well, into bubbles. Like she's, and she's like <clears throat> fighting against him at first. But like you said, it's like it gets yep. to be playful fighting. But, you know, a couple yep. minutes later... We're going to see them both in that bedroom, and she does not seem like she's fighting or arguing or anything. She looks more disturbed that she was getting interrupted. Yeah, because he has his pants off. He's only in his boxers, and he's laying on top of her. And then she's not like, he was trying to rape me. No, she just kind of casually you know, plays with the buckle of her belt, you know, as Larry is taken outside to be arrested on drug charges, on child sexual abuse charges. You know, and, of course, you have Larry who's high. He's like, bye, Ramona, bye, Ramona, as he's being taken away. And Ramona is thrown in the back of the car. And what's going to happen is Vanessa is going to be taken back into the foster care system. She doesn't really want. You know, she just, God. there's other options for me. Like, I could do something else. So Mr. Sheets arrives from child services, and she has the unfortunate task of taking Vanessa to that foster home. So 
Vanessa's like, well, I can go live with my grandmother. Like, I don't really know her, but, like, I'm sure when I get there, she's going to be like, yeah, you can live with me. Mr. So Mrs. Doubtful, she, but She's the late well, we're gonna get to the, What's her name, man? The late Conchata Pharrell, man. From Conchata Pharrell. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Berta. Berta. I'm like, oh, look, yeah, from Berta. Two and a half men. Yep. So Mrs. Sheets uh, finds herself being handcuffed by her ankle to Vanessa's bed. Vanessa takes the keys of Mrs. Sheets' car and then leaves. Well, we'll at least get to see Mrs. Sheets go under an assumed name of Berta and clean Charlie Sheen's apartment and two and a half men in his actual big mansion. So. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what led to it. That, exactly. That's why she <laughs> is the housekeeper for Charlie Sheen and two and a half men because she couldn't be a social worker. Um, so Vanessa drives to where Chopper is hanging out, and she tells him that her parents were arrested, she's heading north, and if he ever wants to see her again, he'll have to go with her. He's like, well, bummer, because I have a sentencing hearing to go to, and if I just can't go, I'm going to be spending time at Camp Gonzalez. And she's like, ah, fine. So Chopper's like, you know what? Here, take this gun. It's Spanish. So you get some good money for it when you get to wherever you're going. And she's like, That's awesome. So the couple make yeah. out, and Vanessa gives him a beer to remember her by. And as she leaves, saying goodbye. Very, very, very long. Very <laughs> so <laughs> loud, so loud. It's just hot. It's uncomfortable, <laughs> man. You know what it made? It made us realize that this must be what our kids see when, like, we have our little make-out <laughs> sessions, and they're like, ew, you know, like, go away. Like, because I'm just sitting here watching this, like, Dude. Like and you know Reese Witherspoon, really I, I gotta give her credit here because she's like yeah. knowing that she's real. She's real young here. This is still early yeah. acting for her. She's coming off mm-hmm. of fear, and I think what I, I don't know if uh, the other flick had come out yet with her. Um, but I know obviously Man in the Moon was was a big movie with her in it, and then and then the fear fear film had uh, just just come out as well. So she was kind of riding a little bit of a high. There, there was some. There was some buzz going on about this actress, Reese Witherspoon, yeah. who was put into this movie. Yeah, th- she was becoming like America's sweetheart at the time, back, back in the mid to late 90s, where it's like, you know what, we could put her in a movie and it's going to work because she's just amazing at being that type of character. She's playing a very dirty character here, but well, then again, in two years later, 1998, she was in Overnight Delivery with Paul fucking Rudd. And she was amazing in that movie. So if you've never seen that movie, it's a comedy. It's romantic, but uh, it's all about Paul Rudd trying to get back a, a breakup letter to his girlfriend. And mm-hmm. uh, Reese Witherspoon, the girl, is taking him. It. I love that fucking movie. <laughs> like, whenever it's on, I have to watch it. Larry Drake playing the delivery driver. Um, but, yeah, again, like mid to late 90s, yeah, Reese Witherspoon was the girl to get to your movie. Um, so It's interesting because it's literally the same exact plot as Road Trip. You know, which would come yeah. out a few years <laughs> later. It's the exact <laughs> same plot. You know, they need to intercept yeah. the, the video before it gets to the girlfriend type of deal. Yeah. It's just, it's Paul Rudd, who's ageless. That's the reason I love that movie. You know, like, the guy never fucking ages. Like, he's a vampire. Like, that guy's a vampire. You can investigate that. Um, but, so, <laughs> Chopper gives her the gun. She says her goodbyes to my beloved boyfriend. She turns the corner, and immediately... A car pulls up and guns down Chopper. He shouldn't have given her the gun. He should have kept well, it. Well, we saw him, maybe we saw him having out. words with these guys prior to her pulling up. Yes. Like, there seemed to be, mm-hmm. like, some beef going on, you know? Um, 
you know, and and it's funny because you know, like the one thing I did like about him giving her the gun, he didn't give her the gun and say like, hey, you know, use this for your safety, use this for the for your protection. He said, use just sell it. You know, he was giving it yeah. to her to genuinely yeah. just so that she could get some funding for it. And it's, it's I like Joaquin Wood. I, I'm a fan of Joaquin so Woodbine. Um, me too. Yeah. I yep. you know for for me, I knew him from uh, I think there was this HBO movie called Strap, um, and that's yep. where I first saw him. And that, I think, was just before this. That might have been like two two or three years prior to this movie. So so seeing him here and seeing him get gunned down, I was so sad. I was like, oh, man, but keep it wide. But it's also a cool thing because we're going with Little Red Riding Hood. He's Chopper Wood. He's the woodsman. He's not coming to save Little Red Riding Hood at the end. Like, he's taken out. So it's kind of a cool thing that they did that, uh, calling him Chopper Wood. And have him, you know, be that character. Um, so next stop is the freeway. Vanessa doesn't get very far as a car breaks down, but help has arrived in the form of Bob Wolverton, played by Keeper Sutherland. Bob offers oh. to look at the car, but he has to let her know that the car is shot. <clears throat> He's going as far as L.A. So why not take a ride with him? So as they start their drive, Vanessa finds a psychology book, and Bob tells her that he's a counselor at a school for boys with emotional trouble. But really, aren't we all just boys with emotional trouble? I think we are. It's a good message. But we don't really get into that. So she tells him that she doesn't really have a family and doesn't want to talk about it. But after a while, he tells her that he just has a lot of questions because that's his nature. And fairly quickly, Vanessa begins to trust Bob and talks about her dysfunctional family. So they have dinner together, and Vanessa tells Bob about the families that she's been a part of while in the foster system, including one, the Moraleses, where an old man, the grandpa of the Moraleses, stood over her, Cane in hand, dick in the other. She smacked the shit out of him and then beat on him until Miss Morales showed up and punched her so hard that it broke her jaw and wired it shut. So Bob starts to get suspiciously close to behind Vanessa and tells her to confront her pain or it could take her over every aspect of her life. He tells her he can help her, but she has to trust him. You're going to have to let me in. And then Bob puts on his hurt and heel gloves and channels his inner feelings. No, he does. Really do that. <laughs> Very I love you, but he does want to be let in. <laughs> so, back in the car, Vanessa tells Bob about the sexual abuse she experienced at the hands of Larry, and then Bob comforts her, telling her that she's a victim and was a child, and when she was abused, he wants her to trust him, and he has a new psychological technique he wants to try out on her. A series of questions that are designed to trigger certain elements of her subconscious, but he warns her it could be uncomfortable. Wait, why is the music getting really sinister? Oh, yeah, that's why, because we're going to talk about her being used as a human urinal by Larry, who just came in her mouth. And then she admits that she is a human urinal. And then Bob starts to kind of smile and enjoy these questions. Vanessa, did you like it when Larry tried to fuck you? And she's like, ew, you piece of shit. And he's like, what? What? Just asking questions. You're just a creepy pervert. And she demands, she decides that she needs to get out. So she demands Bob to pull over. He won't do it. He's like, I'm just asking questions. So she eventually pulls out the keys of the ignition uh, and then tries to exit out of the car, but there's no door handle to get out of. And then Bob holds it in front of her before punching her right in the face. Then he grabs her by the back of the head and demands that she puts the keys back in the ignition. Vanessa does as he commands and then realizes that Bob is the I-5 killer as he's reached his fucking limit with people like Vanessa. Mind you, he never admits <laughs> to being the I-5 killer, 
he just smiles at her and says that he's had enough of people like Vanessa, drug addicts, alcoholics, hookers, and incest victims. He considers her a master manipulator of men. Now, Bob drives her off with a switchblade in hand, and she calls him a hypocrite because he acts like he's on a mission when it's really a sex type thing with him. And then she asks if he's going to do the sex with her. And I love that line because it's showing how immature and just not really aware of the world that she is that she keeps calling it the sex thing. Like, are you going to do the sex thing? Like, it's, it's not like, are you going to fuck me? Are you going to rape me? It's like, are you going to do the sex? And he just smiles and just it, keeps on driving. Well, it's so interesting, that she too. Because yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. you know, like t- today we would yeah. call it like victim blaming and all this and that, right? But like, yeah. when when you watch this movie and you watch how everything gets played out, see, for yeah. for me, you know, watching it the first time, yes, I see see Reese Witherspoon as as a victim character as as she's portrayed to be. Watching it <laughs> in subsequent viewings and whatnot. You know, you, you start to wonder because, you know, she kind of comes off as she's supposed to be streetwise, right? And yeah. She doesn't mm-hmm. pick up on any of, of these issues with him. Or does she? You know, there's times where you're like during these conversations and during these things that you wonder, is she playing him? And is she, mm. is she actually like kind of leading him into certain directions? And the, the, the thing that, you know, ultimately I don't think she's doing it consciously and Bob says it to her. He says it's so wired into you, you don't even realize that you're doing it. And when yeah. you really look at that, like you're saying, oh, you're going to do the sex thing and everything, you connect it back to her mom, you know, and how her character is. you got to remember, this particular young woman has been raised under the auspices of, you know, sex being used as a way of getting things or getting out of things is totally commonplace and normal. So the sex thing... It's just another normal thing for her. And it just seemed like such an innocent thing for somebody to say. Like I said, it's not like she was like, are you going to rape me now? Are you going to fuck me now, Bob? Like, she goes, are you going to do the sex thing? Like, so again, like, it just, it reminded me of, like, a child. You know, because she is. She's only 15. So it's like, it's, you know, she's been raped. She's been sexually molested. So it's one of those things, like you said, you know, it's what she's used to. So are you going to do the the same thing? Did you notice the picture of her father was? (laughs) <laughs> what about it, Bob? In, when she's in the car with, with Bob, she pulls out a picture and she says, this is my real dad. You know, Richard it's, Speck. It's a, it's a picture of Richard Speck, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's I was a looking picture, at it. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, yeah. I yeah, looked at it and I go, holy fuck, I know that fucking guy. So, yeah, I looked it up and I was like, <laughs> oh, no shit. Look at that shit. There's a mass murderer right there. <laughs> It's a dude that killed a bunch of nurses. <laughs> you know? And that's her biological father. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, uh, just a funny little aside. Uh, but so Bob demands that she takes off her pants, and as she bends down because she's got these big old boots on, she bends over and gets into the passenger seat and pops up, hitting Bob and escaping with the gun in her hand. So then at that point, she points it at him, and if he tries anything, she's going to shoot him like so many times. And she orders him to throw a switchblade out of the window and forces him to drive. And then she just proceeds to keep hitting him in the back of the head with a gun for everything that he did to her. So he eventually tells her that she really needs to rethink what she plans. Because she's like, I'm going to take you to the fucking pigs. And he's like, oh, really? You're going to take me to the cops? Hmm. Let's think about this for a second. I'm me. I'm a guy with no criminal record. And they're going to look at me going, oh, well, you're not a killer. There's no possible way. 
look at you with the criminal background. Just think about this for a second before you decide to go to the cops. Because I'm going to be fine. You're going to be the one going to a foster family getting fucked like you did with the Moraleses. And I was like, oh, I just I love the way he turns it on her. Because even she's like, well, shit. <laughs> Probably right. Yeah, we watch Kiefer go through a whole bunch of character moments here. You know, he flashes into into the, the oh, yeah. weeping, whining victim for one second. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then and then he starts thinking it through. You know, how he how can he play this 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 person to to his advantage? You know, so and I'm glad it works out the way that it does because it just uh, it leads to, to to some fun fucking to some fun scenery. So. <laughs> You know, he suggests that he gives her some money, they hit up an ATM for more, and then they just go their separate ways. And she tells Bob, you know what, just pull off into that dirt road, get off in that exit. And then she asks him if he believes in Jesus Christ as a personal savior. He's like, yes. And then she shoots him right in the fucking neck. And then Bob (laughs) begins to freak out and spasm and yells as he tries to hold his hand over the wound. Bob gets out of the car and tries to run away, but is shot several more times by Vanessa, who immediately vomits, praying to God about what she had just done. Believing him dead, she takes a <laughs> cigarette, a lighter, and wallet, and then she makes her way to the diner where she enters covered in blood. Sits down like nothing happened, orders a double He-Man <laughs> breakfast with a large-sized cherry Coke, and then, whoops, you see, waitress, I've had a doozy of a night. Better wash up. <laughs> I need my but, Okay, and so... And yeah, he, and here when we have this uh, where we have this moment though of you know her plugging him a couple times on the side of the road, I was shocked because I for some reason name freeway and whatnot I was expecting this to be like a very small cast movie of the rest of the movie of them two being in the car together and him fucking with her in ways all along the road trip, and then when we get here and. This completely flips, and it's not something I'm expecting at all. And I was like, holy shit, okay, we're definitely taking a turn. But then at the same time, I was like, fuck, is that it for Kiefer Sutherland? You know, but fortunately, no. No. No, we got a lot more. We got a lot more. So as she's at the restaurant and washing up, we see Bob, who is not dead, staggering into a hospital covered in blood, holding a bandage to his eye, and then asking a nurse to call the police. And then as Vanessa leaves the diner, she's immediately arrested. Detective Wallace arrives at the hospital and shows Bob a photo of Vanessa, but clearly had her most humorous pose. Like, what the fuck was that photo? <laughs> she's got her tongue out. She's smiling. <laughs> I was like, what? what photo is this that you're showing? I don't know how they found it, but it was great. And then he starts freaking out and screaming, and like, this is going to be really fucking painful, dude. I'm just letting you know now. And ah, Bob! <laughs> you see him, like, struggling <laughs> in the background. As his wife arrives, Mimi, played by Brooke Shields, and she's like, God damn, can't you do anything? He, he positively identified who did it. Uh, I want the full responsibility placed on her. And like, well, she's 15, so like the best we can do is probably put her in jail until 25. She's like, not good enough. I'm like, well, that's all we could really do. So, sorry. I wanted to and get the electric Shields chair. Fucking amazing. You, mean gas cha- you mean gas chamber? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we don't have the electric chair in California. Sorry. Um, so Vanessa is questioned by Wallace and his partner, Mike Breer. Breer tells her that Wolverton is still alive. What? But I've shot him like so many times. And she tries to tell them. No, I shot him, left his ass for dead. No, there ain't no way he <laughs> fucking survives. 
<laughs> so she says that he's the I-5 killer. And just as Bob predicted, they're like, yeah, we don't really believe you. And she tells them that she had to shoot him because if he, she didn't, he would just find some other girl to kill. She then tells him about her criminal record. You know, a shoplifter, temper problem, a little bit of an arsonist, also a prostitute. And that's when Breer decides to get more aggressive with his questioning, and Vanessa attacks him. But not before hurling some racial slurs his way, which makes Breer even more mad. I was like, ooh, wow, this is definitely 90s Reese Witherspoon. You would not get the same performance out of her now as you did back then. I don't know about that. She she had a similar performance, I think, in 2013 with some cops on the uh, on the side of the road, if I remember right. Uh, no way, really? Florida. Oh God, I think she got like she had some issue. There was a whole video on it where she was like, "Don't you kind of know who I am?" Like there was all kinds of shit going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I like oh wow. How, how this, this guy yeah, she she pulled a Jaja you know, Gabor. I believe so. I may be remembering that wrong, but I do believe that that is how that went. Um, you know, one, I love the two cops. I, I love how they're playing this. It's almost yeah. like a tongue-in-cheek yep. thing. You know, you got Daniel Hedaya here, who, like, I know immediately as, like, the main villain in Commando, which is fucking hysterical. Um, yep, yep, yep. Um you know, so so. I know him as the dad in Clueless. I always think of him as the bad guy in Commando because you know he's playing like a uh, a freaking uh, Fidel yeah. Castro esque guy that like owns yes, this entire that island that, Arno, that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to come in and, and fuck everybody up. He's also in the Adams Family. I forget about that too. He, yes, uh, he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but oh, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's almost tongue-in-cheek comedy going on between these two guys. Like they they're bumbling one minute, but then like they they seem to be decent detectives the next. <laughs> yeah, and also just like good cop, bad cop type thing. You know, where where Breer is obviously the bad cop and Wallace is the good cop. Um, so we cut to the arraignment for Vanessa, and Bob shows up in a wheelchair and a head brace, and his face is all fucked up from the shots fired by Vanessa, and she's <laughs> fucking excited to see him. Look who got hit by the oven stick. Oh, man, little Billy Gunn did that to you, Bob? Oh, my God. Oh, man. And Bob is just staring at you got, me. You got one of them poop bags. You, you, I, was, I heard you got one of them poop bags. <laughs> so the judge... Seeing her revel in this, decides that she's going to commit her to a juvenile center where she could be evaluated to see if she could be tried as an adult. Uh, so we get to the center where Miss Collins introduces Vanessa to Rhonda, played by Rick, Brittany Murphy, who is a teen addicted to huffing paint. And she also hides tar in her cooch. So that's why she's there. And Darryl. Rhonda is totally in the girls, but <laughs> Vanessa sadly is not, as we also get introduced to Mesquita. Hey, Cocker Bunny. And then Mosquito immediately gets her ass beat by Vanessa because she tries to intimidate Vanessa. And that is also, Damn, I love the one you want to play Mosquito. Because that <laughs> actress also played the waitress in Waiting, who had all the mm-hmm. shit in her fucking pussy when she shows it at the end of the oh, movie. No, like, oh, no way! Yep, no, that is the one you no! Oh my god. Yeah. Look at it! Look oh. at it! <laughs> well, see, I, I so angry. Mosquito. From a movie called Airborne, and she's the one that hooks up with Seth Green. It's like a, uh, it's like a surfer boy from California moves to Minnesota to live with his cousins and gets like involved with all this kind of like rollerblading. 
that, yes, is that the, the role of blading and everything? <laughs> and, and her best friend is the guy is the girl that Seth Green hooks up with, and that is this girl. It's Mosquito. Yeah, I want you, Bach. That's amazing. Yeah, because I, I remember her from Waiting. Her character was so great, and she's great in this movie too. Uh, just when you see her at the first time, she's trying to intimidate, you know, Vanessa, and Vanessa just beats the fuck out of her. And then gets mm-hmm. sent to, you know, solitary confinement where she's like, all right, I'm here. I'm just going to make a shiv out of a toothbrush. Then you, you know, see her making the shiv. It's funny now. Like, you know, like, cause again, like I said, this is very much a grindhouse movie. So, like, all of this yeah. stuff seems yeah. to, like, fast forward and flash cuts. And, and yeah. we're moving along mm-hmm. at, like, this, this brisk pace. And it's yeah. almost a shame. Yeah. Because this is what this yeah. is the part of the movie that I really feel like they could have spent a little more time developing relationships and stuff like that. I agree. Like this movie could have spent yeah. some more time in this prison system and given us a little bit, bit better window as to Vanessa Lutz and and who she is really. Yeah, they they yeah, because this movie again, like you had said, it moves so fucking fast. And it's only like an hour and thirty five minutes. Um, when they introduce Rhonda, you know, Brittany Murphy's character, I love Brittany Murphy, rest in peace, but mm-hmm. I just, I loved her as this character. She's got all these scars over her face, and she's talking about helping paint, you know, and how she's a lesbian, and how, like, how you cannot like women. Like, how can you say you don't like women if you've never been with a woman? You know, she's so good, and she was also in Clueless with Dan Hedaya, so mm-hmm. I was like, there's another connection. Um, but she was just so wonderful, and I kind of wanted more of her, but we only got a little bit. Uh, but like you said, Ghoul kind of wanted more. Um, so she gets sent to solitary where she makes the shiv out of a toothbrush. But meanwhile, you see in the media, Bob is regarded as a hero alongside his wife, Mimi. And we also find out that Bob has to use a voice box to speak, which, much again, is <laughs> the light of an epic I'd like to thank everybody for coming out and supporting me. And I was like, oh, it's Kane from the early 90s. But I, have not, but I have not lost my smile. Oh, I love it So um, That night, Vanessa has a nightmare About everything that's happened so far And ends up talking to Rhonda Which leads to show that Rhonda Has the shiv That Vanessa had made So Vanessa shows Rhonda the shiv And she's like, I made this And she's like, wow, it's really cool And she's like, I'm going to make it I'm going to use it for my escape So the two end up making out But no sex, because Vanessa is straight I'll make out with you, but no sex because I'm straight. I'm like, how do you know? Give it a chance. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, you might find out something about yourself. <laughs> you know, if you're going to make out, you're going to get a little horny. I mean, because, come on, you know, you're making out with your person. You're going to get turned on. So, you know what? Give it a chance. It's great. Like, you know, I could tell you, Vanessa, eating pussy is fucking amazing. Like, give it a shot. There's nothing better. I'm personally a big fan. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, five stars. Would recommend. Eat pussy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, no, but unfortunately, we don't get that. Uh, we just get a little make-out stash between the two. And then in court, it's decided that Vanessa will stand trial as an adult because there is just no rehabilitating her. Like, she's just beyond that. And Ms. Collins is like, there's just no point of rehabilitating this person. She's going to have to spend time in jail. So we cut to Wallace and Breer questioning Vanessa's school friends about the type of person she is. And all the feedback about her is that she's positive and a really good person. And then Breer even discovers that her boyfriend, Chopper Wood, is black. 
oh, man, she's a coal burner. I was like, what? She's a coal burner. What? what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and Damn. Me and she likes to date a black guy. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> So we're, okay, cold but, but, but but then we have this fucked up thing where all of a sudden, you know, now that she's a coal burner, now the other detective is determined to actually try and do some fucking detective work. It's like before he was like, you know, she, yeah, it's like you know, all of a sudden he's like, oh, she's just fucking white trash the entire time. But it was, oh, now that now that she hooks up with her brothers, it's okay. <laughs> Let's actually see if we gotta do some work and see if we can figure something out. And it's like, wait, what? But it makes sense. <laughs> well, I think what it is, all those racial slurs, there, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, she dated a black guy. Like, okay. Well, you got to remember, it's not just her temper. He insulted her first by calling he her did, trash, yeah. by 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 yep. making her feel that way. And like she said, you know, it's not like, you know, what did you did you wake up being, you know, an N bomb? Like, is, is that how you how you feel about it? Right. Like she brought all those right. insults up due to her being genuinely insulted and I think that's what he realized upon seeing that she actually you know had dated and she was serious they were exclusive you know we find that out from 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 Cherry you know which that actress <laughs> oh, okay when she gets up yeah. okay one one the gape is fucking hysterical but two yep. you know I know this actress from American Pie she's the girl really? in the car She's the girl in the car with, uh, with what's his name, at the beginning of the first movie, the college girl, Suck Me Beautiful, with Oz. No fucking way. Yeah, really? as soon as okay. I saw her face, I'm like, oh, no oh. shit, I know that chick, and that is who she is. Well, that's and amazing. She's, she's just with yeah, this college girl. Up. Yeah, and yeah, you know, Breer becomes fucking Sherlock Holmes at this point, because he's like, I gotta go look at shit. And Wallace is like, okay, have fun. <laughs> you know. Go be a detective. Yeah, the, the the yeah the yeah the crime scene's an hour and a half away. You know, so, all right, whatever. Go have fun. Go pace around. Go pace around and walk try. past that walk past that hair like a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> that, that for I, some reason I is still the sitting there. It's it. not blown away. <laughs> nope. nope, it's there, swaying in the dirt. He's like, wow, this is a fucked up. Maybe she was telling the truth. How did you miss it? It's just laying out in the open. <laughs> Nobody said, wow, there's a ponytail laying here. Nope. <laughs> missed it. I thought it fell off the pony, again. you know? Rear again playing <laughs> fucking Batman. Like, wants to solve this crime. Um, so while they're being transferred to state prison, the prison bus stops at a gas station. Vanessa, Mosquita, and two twin female prisoners get out and head to the bathroom. Vanessa reveals that she has a toothbrush shiv on her, and they launch an attack on the guards and Ms. Collins. They kill one guard. In her and prison wallet. I love the guard, but why did you kill me? She's like, fuck you, man. You're a man. I don't like men. <laughs> yeah, well, Mosquito goes nuts killing Miss Collins, man. You know, like, oh, and again, we know, oh, we yeah. know that these, these characters are in for, you know, gunplay or, 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 you know, violent crimes based on Brittany right. Murphy's, you know, description because they're in the orange jumpsuits. But, right. yeah. You, you know, like, I wasn't expecting Shooters get that. The, orange even the, the first time around, 
like even watching this. And again, like I said, I had a head full of LSD, so I'm like really into the story. I figure, okay, they're just going to bust out. They're not going to, oh, fuck, Mosquito's putting a plastic bag over her head. Like, or, 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 or shit. like, what the fuck, man? And then she fucking gang stomping the shit out of her. It was like, oh, oh yeah. fuck. And this is where I feel like there are things that they just did not film. Because I know there's, right. I know there's a longer cut that's got two minutes, but I don't believe it's got anything in it that, that makes Miss Cullen's a villainous character. You know, and no. I know Vanessa says that, well, what do you think? They wake up and they want to, you know, work in a prison. They're all perverts. But Miss Collins <laughs> never does anything in a bad way. And this is when I realized yeah. that, you know what, yeah. for the most part, none of these characters really are redeemable. None of them are good. No. You know, we see none. them, I yeah. guess, as we may want to cheer for them, but then, like, I see this, and I don't want them to get the fuck out. Look what she just did. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, but the, she also dropped a line earlier that, she, you know, she's definitely going to, you know, Mosquito's definitely going to help her out because Mosquito's in there for a double homicide. So yes, after she, she does her time, after she does her time, she's going uh, upstate, you know, to to, to the penitentiary, yeah. mm-hmm. and then just yeah. wait for the gas so, chamber. So she, so she's definitely in. So the the twins, like we again, like the twins, we never find out what happened to them. Like they're there, and then they just fucking disappear because it's Vanessa they're and Vanessa that escape in the prison. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they were mosquitoes prison bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, I guess, ran off. Uh, but Vanessa and Mosquito <laughs> escaped in the prison van, and Mosquito's reunited with her boyfriend. I've got to make out with you for a little bit. And Vanessa's like, oh, cool. I'll just stay here and watch you guys make out. It's fine. My boyfriend's dead, by the way. I found out because I called. And I love that phone call. <laughs> in prison, by the way. Ha, Mrs. Wood, can I talk to, you know, Chopper? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know. Nope, he did. So no reuniting the chopper for her. Um, but once they're free, you know, we have a change of clothes for Vanessa, and Mosquito gives her a fake ID and a gun. And she also tells Vanessa that the only reason she tried to bully her in prison was when Vanessa arrived at the center was because she wanted to put out for her later on. And Vanessa says, I will put out for you anytime. She's like, yeah, only when I'm locked up. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> She's like, yeah. On the outside, I love cock, but when I'm in prison, pussy, pussy, pussy. There are many a men who have served plenty of time that have said the same thing, you know. So <laughs> mm-hmm. do what you got to do. You locked up for that long period of time. I love it. Hey, hey, Only hey, you lock up. Take what you <laughs> take. What you can get. <laughs> So, meanwhile, Breer and Wallace arrive at the Wolverton's home with a search warrant, and Mimi refuses to sign the search warrant, but they proceed anyway with the search. Like, we don't need you to sign the search warrant. We're going to do it anyway. They discover a storage shed where out back it's full of child-themed porno, much to the shock and dismay. Jeez. Breer decides to put out a big on Bob. Bull. Not just a little bit. It's like it's overflowing. Like it's, it's pouring out of the shit. It's not like they find a couple of magazines. It's fucking pouring out. With, there's also chains. There's also leashes. Like, oh, yeah, and, like, and, you can, and you can tell from their lifestyle. You can tell from the movie, you know, from the uh, the news report oh, that yeah. they they were in with the interview. Like, you know, she's high society. 
So, like, no, she doesn't yeah. see this coming. She has no idea that this is what Bob has been, been moonlighting as, you know? So, right. I, this was one of those moments, again, when, when tripping on LSD, man, this had an intensity to it that was like, <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Like, cause when, when he turns, like, did you know that you were you aware that your husband had a problem? And she's like, those are, those are children. children. You know, just like the Vanessa Lutz girl that we're trying to send to the gas chamber. And she goes, like, running <laughs> yeah, off, man. Like, the last thing I expected, again, with a head full of acid, was to hear a gunshot. And then to see Brooke Shields yes. there with, like, her fucking brains splattered on the wall behind her. I was like, again, oh. watching it on acid, the blood is, like, pulsating and, like, kind of moving a little bit. <laughs> like, those, those weird, wavery lines and shit. And I'm just like... Man, this movie's fucked up. <laughs> but it's so good because like, you have Breer Wallace questioning her, and Breer is fucking pushing her. And he's like, did you know that he liked this shit? And she's like, well, no, I had no idea. And he's like, oh, really? Oh, really? And she ends up running upstairs, like the girl had said, into a bathroom. And then you hear a gunshot. Wallace and Breer run up to the bathroom, and she had killed herself. You know, and you see the blood behind her head, and she's still, and Wallace is like, did Jeff be so hard on her? Come the fuck down, dude. Rear, lower the <laughs> <laughs> you know. And that's when we see a shot of Bob returning home, and he sees all the cop cars, and he's like, well, guess I'm leaving. <laughs> this is an immediate U-turn, and get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> So and we again, we're because they yeah, never even yeah. noticed him pulling up the street. <laughs> well, he's like two feet away, like in his car, and he's like, "Oh shit, okay." Like there wasn't a cop standing outside going, "Isn't that Bob Wolverton?" Nope. They're all inside, you know, because they found remains. They don't know if it's human or animal. Um, so meanwhile, Vanessa is out in the street trying to land a job. So a guy rolls up, and she gets into his car, and they pull away into an alleyway. Yeah, he just wants a quick flow job. He's just horny. Muy bueno. Muy bueno, sexo. Muy bueno, sexo. So he starts to pick down his pants, and Vanessa pulls out a gun and fires off around. She's like, I was aiming for your head. And she demands to give him all her money, uh, demands to, you know, get all the money from him. So she's pissed off, and the whole world owes her. I love that fucking line. I'm pissed off, and the whole world owes me. So she finds out that he only has five bucks on him. So she forces him out of the car and take off her pants and orders him into the trunk. But I'm claustrophobic, and I have to go to the bathroom. Well, I'm claustrophobic sucking strangers' dicks, motherfucker. I was like, oh, I'm wrong with this. Some of the lines of this movie are just absolutely fucking fantastic, man. <laughs> so we cut to Bob sitting in a diner drinking coffee and smoking a cigarette. A waitress walks over and tells him that he can't smoke in the diner. So he turns his Joker-esque face to her, and then she's immediately disgusted, and he orders a chicken soup with a fucking straw. So as the waitress leaves, <laughs> he begins to I examine a photo it. of innocent grandmother. Yeah, I know. I love, I love that here. line. I'll take a chicken soup with a fucking straw. <laughs> this fucking delivery is great You know, Bob is at a point now in life Where, you know, as it is you, You're talking about a guy that's a serial killer And now he's at a point where there's Nothing to lose anymore So, like, he does not give Any fucks And he grabs at her name tag 
Like, I love the fact that he grabbed it in her name tag to look at her name. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, he's like, I don't have a fuck anymore. Like, you know, just take it, you know, that. So then he finds the, the photo that uh, Vanessa left behind of her grandmother, Naomi, and he has her fucking address on the back. I was cracking up. I'm like, of course, that's her full name and there's her address. So Bob has no problem finding out where she lives and stocked it. I'm like, why would you well, we put also go, Well, the best though is that we can go back and remember something. Vanessa's illiterate. She wouldn't have known that that was even her grandmother's nope. address. But, you nope. know, again, like I, it's, it's one of those where I know they're trying to play her off like she's, like, unintelligent and she's uneducated and all this and that. But it also mm-hmm. just seems so unfathomable that she would have gotten as far in life as she did without knowing certain basic things. Especially Completely some of the, Yep. Some of the dialogue that she uses at times, some of the words that she uses, it's like, man, you, your bitch ass knows how to read. Don't give me that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they completely agree with that. Uh, so later we see Vanessa arriving at the trailer park where her grandmother lives, and the John is still in the trunk, banging on the trunk, saying, can you let me out now? I, mean, I, I don't want to be here anymore. But she's not listening to him. And we see Breer and Wallace also en route to the trailer park. Vanessa walking around the park, calling out Grandma, and then she arrives going in search of the trailer just as Wallace and Greer just conveniently arrive almost at the same time. And they park next to her car, and you still hear the guy banging on the fucking truck. Let me out! Let me out! But Breer and Wallace are like, no. We have to look at the map, and we have to find out where this grandmother is, and we have to figure out what's going on. So finally, Vanessa arrives at her grandmother's trailer, only to find her in bed with the blanket pulled up to her face. <laughs> Vanessa attempts to wake her up, and I'm here, Grandma. I love you. I want to stay with you. Come on, wake up. I just want to meet you and quickly realizes that it's Bob revealing himself with a head wrap on, armed with a gun. Gee, Grandma, <laughs> big fucking teeth you got. <laughs> yep. Bob. And then he makes sure to point out the fact that he killed Vanessa's grandma and points to her fucking body, which almost has a grin on her face. But that's not just, all. No, yeah. it's not a grin. He goes, that's not all I did to Grandma. He fucked her mouth. <laughs> Yep. He fucked her river. He said earlier that he's going to fuck her dead body, and that's what he ended up doing. He killed her, and he fucked her. And her mouth is hanging open. It looked like a fucking smile, and I was like, oh, my God, that's fucking great. <laughs> he fucked her mouth, <laughs> and it looks like he liked it. So as this reel is made, a neighbor shows up going, hey, Naomi, I just wanted to go ahead and return the extension cord they let me borrow, and he gets shot and processed. And he goes wandering out of the trailer with a bullet wound in the chest. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to go home and just kind of, you know, walk it off. (laughs) (laughs) And you see him disappear as Breer and Wallace go to the trailer. And they hear the gunshots going off. And they're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Vanessa, are you in there? Like, bam, bam. She's obviously fighting off a killer because Bob and her are going round to round while Breer and Wallace attempt to save her. So Vanessa decides to use the extension cord to her favor and strangle Bob to death. So once he's dead, Vanessa stumbles outside with Breer and Wallace going back into the trailer and discovering that Grandma's dead and Bob's dead. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. And I was like, yeah, Breer, you can stop saying that. You get it. They're dead. So they walk outside of the trailer and that's where Vanessa is sitting, and she asks them if they have a cigarette. 
And then they all break into laughter as we cue the credits to a 90s grunge circus-style theme music. I, just, I was like, yeah. are we going to the circus? I was like, this is amazing. Total I love this fucking music to end the movie. This yeah, like total grindhouse. Like the ending, them laughing. It reminds me of yep. Death Proof when they're all fucking stomping on Kurt <laughs> Russell at the end, you know? Like, it's just, it is absolutely. I'm like, this is fucking brilliant. This is why I love this movie. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. So, so thank you, King, man. I fucking, I enjoy watching this every time. Me too. And that's why I wanted to pick it. I'm so glad, uh, Goldie, you brought up the whole grindhouse thing because it was the grindhouse in the 90s. Like, it, it just encapsulated everything that you want in a Grindhouse movie. You know, it's funny. It's got violent moments, but it's also got this kind of sleaze over the lens. Like you said, Monkey, mm-hmm. wanted to take a shower after. That's perfect. Like, that's the perfect review for a movie like this. Like, I wanted to fucking shower after. I just felt dirty. That's why I love <laughs> Freeway so much. I was like, you could only do this in the 90s. And it was, like, the perfect time. Agree. They could pull off a movie like this now. It's like it's, if they tried to pull off no, a movie like this now, it, it, it would definitely not see theaters, but it would probably be in a series on HBO. <laughs> uh, yeah, or direct to DVD, something like that. You know, like uh, you know, and you know, it was a flop at the box office, obviously, because I mean, who's going to see this movie? I wish I had seen it in theaters back in the day. It was '96. I was going to the theaters, but. You know, I missed out on it, but um, it's just, again, Kiefer Sutherland just owned the role, and especially when his face is all fucked up, you know, he just owns it, using the voice box, like, he's still in control of that character. It's just, it's amazing to see, you know, and I will always be an advocate for Kiefer Sutherland playing villains. You know, Jack Bauer, 24, is great, you know, all these hero characters, but again, watch these movies in the 90s where he played a villain, like in uh, Truth and Consequences in Mexico, was a, another good one where he played a villain. Um, again, uh, you know, it's just, it's so great. But anyway, moving on from that, as we close out the show, I think it is going to be the monkey's pick next week. What do you have for us? What are we talking about? Oh, well, then if we're going with my pick, all right. We, all right, summer is almost over, so we can, everyone's trying to sit there and cram in some last-minute vacation. I think we can squeeze in one more summer trip before fall kicks in. So we're going to go with The Descent from 2005. Ooh, okay. All right. Sure. Going a little bit of claustrophobic, a little bit of that. All right. I could enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to revisiting it because I haven't seen it in a long time. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, to seeing if I still enjoy it. Um, yeah. So we're going to go to The Descent next week for the monkey's pick so once again monkey thank you so much for hanging out with us talking about freeway yeah man we'll see you back here next week for your pick of go ahead and sign yourself off <laughs> all right all of you horror hounds and gore geeks thanks for listening and letting me come in your ear good night everybody <laughs> all right all right gold want to go ahead and sign yourself off well, y'all have a good night now, you fucking perverts, you, okay? And you make sure you stay scared, okay? Stay scared. <laughs> I love the fact that she had to really put on the accent for, for that movie. Because, you know, she is that's Southern, true. but she that's, has that. That's her accent, man. That's her accent yes, at that yes. time. I think that was just legitimately her not pulling away from her accent. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean, yeah. Like, she fully embraced the fact that she has a southern accent 
for uh, freeway. So I love the fact Living that you in Cali. That. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, had a great time doing it. Um, so anyway, as for me, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Angie G, saying thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. And as always, the Saws family, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. We'll see you back here next week for the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, The Descent.